together. So I'm going to invite Jack up here to read our lesson this morning from the Psalms. Please stand for the lesson from the Old Testament. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, in the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil, to busy myself with wicked deeds in company with men who work iniquity, and let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it. Let my prayer, yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. When their judges are thrown off over the cliff, then they shall hear my words, for they are pleasant. As when one plows and breaks up the earth, so shall our bones be scattered at the mouth of Sheol. But my eyes are towards you, O God, my Lord. In you I seek revenge, refu- refuge. Leave me not defenseless. Keep me from the trap that they la- have laid for me, and from the snares of evildoers. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I pass by safely. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wow, well, good morning, everyone. Can you hear me? Uh, whoa, hey, Glenn. <laughs> what a joy to be with you all this morning. Um, wow, I, I wasn't planning on saying this, but uh, Jordan, your songs. I, I, one of the great things about uh, preparing a sermon and following the Spirit in what the Lord would have us to be taught today is to give such a talented worship leader as yourself just full creative liberty. And uh, I don't know if you guys picked it up um, knowing that we were going to preach on Psalm 141, but those songs just absolutely rang so true to set up this teaching in Psalm 141. And so I just thank you for, I know your spirit prayed when I told you we were Uh, in Psalm 141, and I felt every single one of those verses and stanzas pointing to really what David's prayer in Psalm 141 is, and it was absolutely beautiful, so thank you for setting us up in that. Join me in prayer. Just like we sang, O great God, you are in heaven and occupying the highest throne. Your sovereign will is above all of us. Lord, we ask for you to come and occupy our lowly heart. Lord, we're blinded by our sin. We need you. We ask your presence, your Holy Spirit, to come into this space. Lord, we thank you for David and this earnest prayer this morning. Thank you for preserving these words for thousands of years that we can open them up. They're so true. They're a model and they're a guide for how we can understand how to pray. So Lord, let my words be your words. Let our hearts be open to hear this message. And I'm thankful for you, Jesus Christ, above all, that gives us the ability to even offer a sacrifice, a sacrificial prayer to you, Lord, that it would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's always an honor to stand in for Daniel. He's on vacation today. And uh, sadly, he's, he's always on vacation, so uh, we, we never get to talk about 
uh, my preaching and sermons, but um, I'm just thankful that uh, he gets to take a break and just been resting in. We've been in Psalms for 10 weeks now, and I know you guys all are. I'm so thankful for his leadership in coming up with these series and these sermons that, that, we're, that we're in. And um, I'm just going to uh, do a quick recap um, for all of us so that these are seared into our heads. So we started in Psalm 1, and Psalm 1-1, in fact, and it was, Blessed be the man who delights in the Lord and meditates both day and night. And Daniel tasked us, he said, find that man. Remember? And who was that man who was our model to be exalted? It was Jesus. Then we went on to Psalm 2. And he who sits in the heavens laughs. And I don't think there's anybody here that was present that day that will ever forget your laugh, Evan, in that benediction. It was incredible. Um, it will sear in my memory bank for Psalm 2 forever about how the Lord delights in heaven. He delights on the throne as he looks down both on us and the enemies who are doing ridiculous things. But the Lord is full of laughter, and, and you, you encapsulated that, and I won't ever forget that, and I, don't, I think most people here remember that. Um, then we went to Psalm 19, and 19.1 is a special verse for all of us who have participated in Ask. It was the very first memory verse 11 years ago. And he- the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the hands of his work. And then we went to Psalm 136. Does anybody remember what was repeated 26 times in that psalm? Yes, that's right. Great job. And then in Psalm 88, Daniel taught us that God is the cause of our death, and he's also the cause of our deliverance. And then in 132, as we've worked tirelessly on this church, Daniel reminded us so wonderfully that this church, although it's built by man's hands, we, we, uh, we, in an attempt to house the Lord, we as individuals ultimately are the vessel that God wants to inhabit. And so today, when Daniel asked me to close in this series, I thought, okay, great, I'm going to preach on Psalm 150. Done. Anybody remember what Daniel preached on last Sunday? Psalm 150. <laughs> so thanks, Daniel, if you're uh, listening, um, for taking the bookends when you asked me to preach at the end. Uh, so anyways, I want to rewind to Psalm 141, where we learn how David prayed really as a foreshadow for how Jesus ultimately taught us to pray that Lord's Prayer that we just read together. So in start, um, there's a man by the name of Joseph Scriven. Anybody know who he is? Obscure name. He never intended this poem to be turned into a, a, a famous hymn that we all know by heart. His mother was in pain, and he couldn't be with her, so he sent her a letter. And these were the words that he enclosed. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and grief to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to the Lord in prayer. You know what you guys know this hymn? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. How true is that, right? We, a lot of us know that hymn, and we sing it, but yet we still don't take everything to the Lord in prayer. 
Why don't we carry everything to the Lord in prayer? Well, that's why I chose Psalm 141, because I think we can learn a lot from David's prayer. And when we do pray, I want us also to focus on where do our prayers go? You guys ever think about that, kids? Where do your prayers go? So we're going to look at three parts of Psalm 141. It's a request for God to listen and be near. It's a request for God to sanctify. And a request for God to guard and protect. So to be near, to sanctify, and guard and protect. So in verse 1 that Jack read, thank you, um, let's read. It opens just simply, O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me, give ear to my voice. And this word hasten, David is asking in response for God to come quickly. It is an emergency. He starts by earnestly asking God to give an ear to his voice when called upon. And this is odd, right? Because we all know, David knew this, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. It's not like he's far off somewhere and then David's calling him like, please come near to me. Um, so what is, what, what, is David's, what is David really asking for? He's asking not for the spatial difference, but for God to come quickly in his influence and his power and his help. David is in need of a lot of help here. He, the, 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 the help that David's asking for is that manifest presence, not a spatial distance. It's the presence that the Puritans understood, that manifest presence. It's show up and do something, Lord. I want to experience your nearness and your intimacy. We don't know exactly the context that David's in here, but we do know he's either running from Saul or he's running from Absalom, who's trying to start a civil war. And David is far off. He's, he's likely in the wilderness. He's likely in a cave. Um, and this is his cry. And his ask is, he knows that the Lord is with him because God's omnipresent. So he's not trying to close that spatial gap, but it's that gap of intimacy. So the next time we pray, let's learn from this about intentional nearness, that we, we know the Lord is literally right here with us, not far off. And for a visual, we don't have it here, but think of if you've been to the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo's amazing painting of the creation of Adam. And um, if you've seen it, uh, the, the, the image is, uh, is such a stark contrast for what I'm trying to explain here. Think about how Adam's sitting. Actually, I want to start with the Lord. What's the Lord doing? He is reaching out, pointed finger, with all of his might. His muscles are flexed. He's pointing. He's reaching out for Adam. And Adam is sitting there, and he's, it's like he's watching a sports program on TV. He's like got his arm back. His, his leg is hiked up, and his arm is bent like this, his finger. And the Lord is, is reaching to touch him, and Adam's finger is just bent. And I thought about that in terms of contrasting with David's prayer. May, may we not be in a posture and a demeanor like De, uh, Adam is in that painting. Just like the Lord is reaching out for us, may we also be reaching out for that intimacy and that nearness. In verse 2, David says something really interesting. He says he wants his prayer to be counted as incense. He's likely not near the tabernacle. Like I said, he's out in the wild. So he moves towards this intensification of, Lord, I want my prayer to be like incense. And then he goes to raising his hands because that was what people did around the sacrifice. That was another intensification of his prayer. 
And this prayer he offers is likened to that sacrificial offering that they were so accustomed to in the Old Testament. And we're all familiar, since we just got out of that Deuteronomy series earlier this year of all the sacrifices, thankfully we live on this side of the cross where Jesus was our ultimate sacrifice. But we all know about the grain sacrifice, the sin sacrifice, the trespassing sacrifice, the burnt offering, the, uh, the grain offering. The... When was the last time we thought about our prayers as an offering in the way that they looked at it in the Old Testament. A true offering. Well, listen to what First uh, Peter 2.5 says, if we have any doubts about what our prayers are in terms of an offering. You also, like living stones, are built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that an amazing word? How the Lord took animal sacrifice, turned into us being the vessel for which the Lord wanted to dwell, and then our prayers, because they're sprinkled with the blood of Christ, turn into that sacrifice. Then, this is amazing where David goes in this prayer. He asks for sanctification. And kids, that's just a fancy word for asking to be made holy to be set apart. And if you know Jesus Christ today, you are already holy. You are set apart, and you are sanctified. And I want you to hear that and know that, and it's a really amazing thing that the Lord offers. Think, think back to uh, the Lord's Prayer we just recited. Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not in temptation. This is part of the asking for being sanctified. What does David say in this uh, verse 3 right here? Lead, us, lead me not into temptation. He says, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over my lips. This is incredible. Why is David asking for this? He pleads to God. He's in all of this turmoil. All these evil people want to destroy him. He pleads to God not first to save him from evil men, but he pleads first to save him from his evil self. Oftentimes, I think, when I'm being attacked and persecuted, I'm, in, I'm immediately going and praying for, like, God, quell those flaming darts. Like, put those away. And I, I need to be reminded, and I want to remind all of us, oftentimes it starts in here, right? It's what God knows the sin in our hearts of what we need to be convicted of and to change. And David knew that. And this was far before Jesus prayed the Lord's Prayer. So it's a beautiful foreshadowing because David knew, God, you take control of my tongue. I could probably say some really horrible things right now about all my enemies, but David, before he says that, he says, Lord, you take control of my tongue. Don't let me say anything resentful or envious. Keep my words pure. What a posture of prayer, right? Lord, make my words pure. Then he goes deeper in uh, verse 4, he says, Don't let my heart incline to any evil. Because he knows, right, what we know, the heart gives rise to our words and our deeds. That's why he prays to be sanctified. Because deeds are motivated by our desires, right? Always. So it's a cry. He says, Lord, don't let their delicacies be enticing to me. 
May our heart's desires not be controlled by the delicacies of the world. Such a beautiful prayer that David says here before he moves on um, to his last point. He desires to be reproved for whatever's amiss in him. He says, let the righteous man strike me. He's all alone and he wants somebody to come and point out to him, David, this is where you, this is where your sin is. And I love this. We should share this prayer in our own prayers. And that prayer is just simply this. Lord, let me never fall under that dreadful judgment of being left alone in my own sin. And this is what our church is for. This is what we are for in Bible studies. At ask in the women's Bible studies is to not let one another be alone in their sin, to walk alongside them. And David has a, has a beautiful, beautiful message in that. And then third and finally, David then, after he asked for that sanctification, he literally says, Lord, I need protection. I need you to guard me. What does Jesus pray? Jesus says, deliver us from evil. And David essentially prays the same thing. He says in verse 9, Lord, keep me from the trap and the snail, snares of the evildoer. Let the wicked fall in their own nets while I pass by safely. You see, David's asking to be sanctified because he doesn't ultimately want to be the one that destroys his own enemies. What's he asking the Lord, right? Lord, I want to be blameless. I see the snares and the traps that my enemy has set for me. Let them be entangled in their own traps. Let your protection fall on me and let me be blameless. What an amazing prayer. So he says, I want your nearness. I want intimacy. I want to be sanctified, set apart, convict that sin in my heart. And Lord, I need you. I need your protection. Guard me. Protect me. So like the poem I read earlier, why is it so hard for us to pray these things? I just wrote down a couple of obstacles. Maybe we don't know God as we ought to. Isaiah 55 says that God's thoughts are not our thoughts and that his ways are higher than our ways. And that's a hard, complicated thing because we want to pray for the Lord's will oftentimes, just like Jesus prayed, and it might be different than ours. Sometimes we're, it's hard for us to pray because we're unsure of what to really pray for until we're in that situation like David is. Sometimes it's because we don't know the Bible well enough. Praying the scriptures is an amazing place to start. Just praying a psalm, praying something out of the New Testament, praying the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes it's, we don't feel like we, we need God's help in our lives. Like we can do this ourselves, right? That's an easy one that we just press on. And then last, sometimes it's because we're unaware of our own blind spots, of our own sins. And these are real. I mean, I confess I struggle with all, of, all five of those, and there, there are others. Um, but let me give you another reason why the Bible tells us why it's so important to pray and that we should be encouraged to take everything to the Lord in prayer. Remember my question at the beginning, what happens to our prayers? This is an amazing imagery, not just for us as adults, but for kids, too. I, I really want the, you kids to, to tune into this because when I learned this truth, it changed the way I prayed. 
So God's desire for his people is that they be holy, and simply going through the rituals was not good enough to make the Israelites right with God. And during Isaiah's time, in Isaiah chapter 1, it's an amazing uh, verse here, God tells Isaiah, they, 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 were, they were so disobedient to God, and God tells Isaiah, tell them to stop bringing me meaning, meaningless offerings. Their incense is detestable to me. What a, what a harsh thing to, um, to say, right? Because the key there is our heart determines the aroma of our prayers that float up to the Lord. Our heart is the guide that turns that aroma into something that's sweet for God to receive our prayers. So the altar of incense is seen as a symbol of prayers of God's people. And it's beautiful to know that God considers these prayers of ours to be a sweet smell of incense because of Christ. You know, back in the uh, Old Testament, they had the open courtyard, the holy place, and the holy of holies. That sacrificial animal was sacrificed out in the courtyard, and then those coals were taken and brought into the holy place where the incense, the altar, the altar of incense was. And then the priest would take those coals and light up the incense, and that smell would fragrantly flow into the Holy of Holies. That's where the Lord lived and occupied during that time with Israel. That incense, it was a specific mixture in Exodus 30 that God told the Israelites, you, you mix these specific spices together. And now our incense are our prayers. They're mixed with Adoration, thanks, gratefulness, submission. In John's vision in Revelation, that's where it takes us to what happens to our prayers. Listen to this in, version, in uh, Revelation 5.8. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. These bowls hold our prayers. Kids, everybody. Our prayers are gathered into these golden censers. The censers is just an Old Testament word for um, an incense, a bowl, an urn. And, and when John sees that, there's only one altar in, in Revelation. There's not two. There's not the sacrificial animal altar and the incense altar. There's one altar because our sacrifice has been already sacrificed in Jesus Christ. So the real meaning in chapter 8 says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given them, and another angel came and stood at the incense altar with a golden censer and he was given so much incense to offer which was the prayers of all of the saints all of us who have gone before us today and after us all the saints prayers on the golden altar before the throne and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel and then God looks at the angel and tells the angel to take the censer, fill it with fire, 
all of the prayers and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. That's Revelation 8.1. Spend some time in that this week. It's an amazing thing to think about. There's a day when all of our prayers rise up to the Lord as sweet aroma and incense. They collect in these golden bowls in heaven. Billions and trillions of all of our prayers. Some of these prayers from you, Jane, prayers that you have said are in heaven right now. Our personal pleas to God deposited. And just like Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What is that prayer asking for, right? God, in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, he said, it basically summarizes and it says, God looks at those bowls at that given hour of time, and only he knows it. He knows it's time. And he looks at that angel and he says, it's time. Take this entire bowl and pour it on the earth, all of the prayers. This is how, why, why David gets this and why we get it. God wouldn't have asked us, right, to pray, thy kingdom come, if he didn't mean for our prayers to ultimately be the instruments that would accomplish his final everlasting kingdom to come here to earth at last. Think about that. Our prayers accomplishing the bringing about of his kingdom on earth. So the next time you pray, picture your prayers rising up with a sweet aroma. Set your heart right. Ask for sanctification like David. Deal with my sin, Lord. Let, my aroma, let the aroma of my prayers be sweet and pleasing to you. And also know that at last, our prayers are an, action, an agent of action for the greatest day this side of the cross, which is ultimately Jesus Christ's return and setting all things right for God's kingdom to reign forever and ever and ever. So knowing this and what our prayers accomplish and where they go, let us go back to that beautiful hymn and let us take everything to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we want to be a a, a praying church. We want to be a church that doesn't offer up meaningless prayers, that goes through motions. Lord, we don't want to be a church that, that you send somebody to us like you sent Isaiah to say, this incense, these prayers are detestable to me. Lord, we want to be a church that is unified, that love one another, that love this neighborhood, that love our enemies. Lord, there's a lot of people that want to cause great harm to your church, and want to stand as obstacles and roadblocks. None of this is new. None of this is surprising to you. Lord, we want to pray for our enemies. Because first, we want to pray also, just like David did, that you would set our hearts right. Lord, thank you for the brothers and sisters in this church who know the truth of 
walking alongside one another to not let each other sit and rest in their own sin, to not be left alone in that time. Lord, you call us to be unified as a body together in this sanctuary. Lord, there is no more holy of holies. There is no more sacrificial altars of uh, burning animals. Lord, you dwell in here with us. Lord, the holy of holies is right here. It's in our hearts. Give us a posture to reach out towards you, to close that spatial gap that we, it's only us. The gap only comes from us. That, Lord, your outstretched hand would be something that we would yearn and strive for. Lord, thank you for prayer. Thank you that you hear our prayers. Thank you that you keep our prayers. And thank you that our prayers don't disappear into thin air. That they actually go towards accomplishing something which is bringing about your kingdom. Maranatha. May your kingdom come soon. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for us, for atoning for our sins. We need you every hour of the day. In Jesus, your holy name, amen.